The Last Time I Smoked is an independent entertainment podcast intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Andrew Lavisca. That's uh, me. That's you. Lavisca. Number one. Okay. Why don't you smoke weed? No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Getting right to it, huh? <laughs> yeah. Just jump right in. <laughs> Welcome to The Last Time I Smoked, an introspective podcast of one person's life transitioning from pothead to sobriety. But why? I don't have an answer for you, but I'm sure over the course of some episodes we'll find them together. I'm your host, Landon Charles Hughes, and on today's episode, the introduction of me. Today's guest is Andrew Laviska, and ending with the plight. Let's read together. One style. Here's a whale of a tale. Once upon a time. Once upon a time. Once upon a time. Act one, the introduction. The introduction of me. I'm Landon. That's how my boyfriend Dimitri teases me of how I introduce myself to people. I don't sound like that. Ugh. Anyways, uh, hi, I'm Landon. <laughs> uh, I'm a goofy guy, but sexy in the face. I live in Los Angeles with my ring buddy. So I'm a stand-up comedian, film director. I graduated from the film program at the Los Angeles Film School. I completed a thesis film called Play. Uh, it's about a Marine war veteran who comes back from overseas, and he pursues his writing passions with only his wife to champion his dreams. In my family, I'm third generation enlisted military member. I served a total of four years in the United States military, uh, Air Force. Uh, I was medically and uh, honorably discharged in 2006 due to some ailments that I acquired in Iraq. Uh, Soon after that, I was going to school in Florida until I realized I wanted to do stand-up comedy professionally. So in 2010, I made the big move out west. Over the last five years, I've had just about all my dreams come true. (laughs) I've worked on so many unique projects. I've got to meet tons of artists and writers and comedians and like CEOs and like huge professionals and like on tons of different projects from like independent documentaries, period piece music videos, like uh, clothing commercials and even assisting like world renowned artists who gave me the opportunity to travel to places like Australia and New York and Jacksonville, Florida. But during all these awe-inspiring experiences, I couldn't shake the negativity I kept thinking about myself. You know, I got to fly internationally first class where the chairs turn into beds and the wine doesn't stop flowing. I woke up the next morning on that flight and this cute flight attendant handed me orange juice and said, Here's your wine, Mr. Hughes. I never felt sexier waking up from a hangover in my life, okay? (laughs) But as the experiences became even grander, I still couldn't focus. I still fought the thoughts of shame. You don't belong here. You're a fraud. Do you really know what you're doing? There's so many more people qualified than you. And some of that's true. I felt like a failure. Like I'd given up on my own voice. Because I had. But then I smoked. 
and dug a little deeper. Then I came to the conclusion the reason these people are super successful isn't because they had a single message or they're on tour or they had a great manager. That helps though. It's because they worked their fucking asses off. I've been to Iraq and back and honestly the last five years have been the hardest I've ever worked in my life. And after all this time, the only thing I have to show for myself is a podcast. (laughs) That doesn't mean I believe the standards of others should be the ruler for which I measure my own success, but that I need to understand the limitations in my life should be seen as a foundation of which to flourish up from. That's the idea behind the name Rock Bottom Artists. Because I like people. I love entertaining people, and even though I hit these low slumps in my life, I still know my brain is working on a solution. And the weed helps with that. Which brings us to this moment. Today's guest is Andrew LaVisca. Andrew's been a friend of mine for about four years now. I moved from WeHo to Virgil Village in 2011, and he was just a cool guy that we started hanging out with. And then we started working on projects together. And then he ended up being my lead actor in my short film play. Uh, Andrew is a voice of facts. And his opinion is always backed by knowledge and experience. He never bullshits when he talks. He, he speaks only when he knows what is being spoken about. He's the person I like to challenge my opinions on because I trust his. What do you do? Um, I am a actor, and um, I try to make filmed projects happen. And theater. You do both. Yes, theater's my jam. That's what. That's you know. That was sort of my entry point. Did you go to school for it? Yeah, yeah. I, um, I did my undergrad at the Evergreen State College in Olympia, Washington. Shout uh, out, go go gooey ducks. Yeah, <laughs> what is it? What Seriously, is it? that was our mascot. What is it? Gooey duck. It's like a giant clam, and it's got this huge siphon that looks like a big penis. <laughs> you never seen one? <laughs> no. Oh, I mean, I've seen them, but I don't. I've never seen that mascot. Is it cartoonish or is it? Yeah, really yeah. Like- <laughs> they they did like a cartoon version of it with the the eyes and like. There's a fight song too. It's really 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 ridiculous. It's like uh, I forget exactly how it goes. It's like, go, gooey ducks, go. Doo, 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 doo. I forgot the lyrics. Oh, don't worry. I, I, <laughs> I don't even remember the Air Force song, and I had to memorize it. Basic. <laughs> Bad veteran. Bad veteran. <laughs> I know the Star Spangled Banner. That's what it counts. <laughs> Finish school? Do you act in uh, Washington I at all? Finish school, yeah. I, um, after, after I finished school, um, I moved back to Seattle for four years, and I, uh, I got involved with some theaters up there. Um, some small groups just performing out of like warehouse spaces and little black box theaters. The biggest show I ended up doing was this really bizarre, um, like performance art, nonlinear theater piece. Experimental. Uh, at, yeah. At, uh, at this theater up there called On the Boards, um, and had a really good time. And, uh, and I also ended up getting involved with some really strange sort of performance arty stuff like really like 70s style like rubbing raw meat on your body sort of stuff did you like that stuff i mean oh yeah i loved it that's cool that's right i never knew that so um i don't i hate to jump ahead brand upon the brain Uh uh-huh 
was that's actually not jumping ahead too far that i was right in the, around that same time because fe- that film that you did feels like sort of what you're explaining in the theater that you pro- like it's sort of like was your path in yeah a sense. yeah and um i the only reason i i was able to get into that was because i met the casting director at a fundraiser party for a theater and i met her and i i had i had gotten into guy madden um maybe a year or two earlier i had seen some of his films. The first one I ever saw was uh, his version of Dracula, which was like a, bl- a ballet version of Dracula. It's amazing. It was film? Uh, yeah, it's, What's yeah it? it's a film. It's called uh, Dracula, Pages from a Virgin's Diary. And then I also saw a few of his others. Uh, the Saddest Music in the World is like his most mainstream film, kind of, that was actually made by a studio, which is crazy. So I'd seen some of his stuff, and I met this girl who's the casting director at this party and we got to talking about local film and all this stuff and she was like well I'm working on this I'm working with this company that's uh their whole mission statement is to like find directors they really love and then just give them a budget number and invite them to Seattle and say make whatever you want just use local cast and crew what what Oh, what kind of program is that? Um, well, it doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately. Oh. Uh, it was called, it was just called The Film Company. That's crazy, though. But yeah. But even just to get that first step and be in a group of people like that in such a, not like a industry ha- or entertainment right. industry and heavy so, setting. Yeah, so it's crazy because like I'm sitting here talking to this girl and all of a sudden she says, I'm working on this film with Guy Madden. And I was like, like doing a quadruple take, you know, like the the guy Madden. But so anyway, I, I get this chance to work with Guy Madden, and uh, you know, I go on an audition for it, and I don't hear anything for a little while, and sort of it sort of falls out of my head, and then all of a sudden I get this call, like he wants to use you for this part, like the ringleader of these orphans, and it's like a fictionalized version of this bully that Guy knew when he was a kid, and it just so turned out that I like look a lot like the guy apparently. And it's, and it's funny, too, because, like... You're such a bully. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which I'm not really in real life, but I, I can do that. But it's, and it's funny, too, because a lot of times when, you know, especially with strong directors, like, they'll cast... They'll have very specific pictures in their mind, and they'll cast you, you know, yeah, for your acting ability or whatever, but also sometimes just because you look a lot like the person. And I, and I remember having this really short, awkward conversation with him one day on set, like, you cast me because, like, because of my amazing acting ability, right? And he, you know, he's like, well, yeah, you know, you're great, but you know, you, you just remind me a lot of of that guy. And so, you it's know, it's like a it, backhanded compliment. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, oh, okay. Um, I'm still new. To I'll this. just, I'll just go over here and remind you of that guy some more, I guess. <laughs> uh, That's cool. And so, yeah, and so that happened, and you know, we got to go to festivals and stuff with it, and. Uh, um, oh, you did get to travel a bit. Yeah, I went to um, Toronto and New York. When did you make the big step? In fall of 2008. Um, I'd been planning it for about a year. When I decided to make the move, I had a lot of people telling me, like, oh, it's a terrible idea. You know, the, it'll just, the industry will just chew you up and spit you out. You know, da-da-da-da-da. So I met somebody, and it got really serious, and I had to decide what to do. But at the end of the day, I was like, well... If I don't try this, you know, I'll hate myself. So I did. I came anyway, and you know, tried to juggle being here and also maintaining that relationship for quite a while, and that ended up not working out. So then you get out of the relationship. And yeah, sort of went through, I guess, a fairly typical 
LA new actor thing of like getting a commercial agent and going out for a lot of stuff and being in a few little things here and there. And then, you know, get sort of getting to that joining the union and thinking you're getting to the next level. And then things just kind of dry up because it's a lot harder at that level. And, and I didn't really realize that at the time. So now I've kind of transitioned a little bit into, again, trying to get back to those, uh, independent roots of like, well, is there something you want to make? Okay, go out and figure out how to make it yourself. And then, you know, if somebody sees it and likes it and wants you to give you money to make the next thing, that's great. Mm -hmm. Um, If not, at least you did the thing you wanted to do. When you're in those drudges and you're in the thick of it in your head, for me, I smoke weed. I smoke weed a lot, and that's what I do. I'm um, feeling we might transition into that at some point. <laughs> but I, again, that's where I'm at right now. I don't mm-hmm. know if I need it anymore. But I don't feel it's really bringing me that same sense of inspiration that I used to get from it. Or Just, how do you think? I'm sorry. Well, in my experience, and you know, uh, uh, I guess I'm on this show because I'm not a big weed smoker, and uh, I have to now justify myself. Uh, <laughs> Just kidding. Validated. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I'm one of those sort of odd people that, yeah, I don't really like smoking marijuana very much. But the reason for that is because it actually has the opposite effect for me in the sense that it doesn't help me get out of my own head. It actually pushes me deeper into my own head. Uh, by the same token, I've done a number of other things that I've really enjoyed and that, and that have given me that... Um, that ability to sort of get outside myself. And I had I'd, I'd sort of forgotten about that for, for a fairly long time, <laughs> having that weird feeling that God is watching you even if you don't believe in God. Uh, so the so one of the things I like about the, the drug experiences I have had is that it, it's a good way to sort of make, make that little voice shut up for a minute and be able to just experience without continually commenting on and judging your own experience where weed actually reinforces those where for thoughts. yeah for me weed uh, kind of reinforces those thoughts which which is funny because i gather that for a lot of other people it's the opposite and that's and that's one of the funny things i i feel like about marijuana in particular is that i think maybe it's a it's a product of you know gr- growing up in the 80s and 90s we had uh you remember dare, dare and 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 people telling you over and over and over again that oh marijuana it's a gateway drug that'll lead you straight to heroin you know and so i think what that one of the things that does is it creates a sort of equivalency between all these things like they're all equal yeah like they're all equal and also um opiates are just like marijuana yeah totally the same <laughs> so i i think people have this weird equivalency between like basically all drugs in their head that like so so when you say like I don't particularly enjoy being under the influence of this one particular thing, but there are other things that I really do like, and 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 I feel have really helped me at certain points in my life. And pe- like that wigs people out, and they don't really get it because they're so used to thinking of marijuana as like the gateway to those things. Who are these people that feel this way? Do you? Um, I, I mean, I don't know if I can. Not the names, but I mean, like, what is the certain personality traits that a person like that? Honestly, would... like, I almost feel like I've gotten it the most from people who smoke a lot of weed and can't like wrap their heads around me not really liking it, but not for like moral or legal reasons. And you know, I understand like if something feels really good to you and but not to somebody else, that's uh, that can be weird. Yeah, I'm not into BDSM, but a lot of people are. Right. <laughs> Yeah. I'm no judgment. Right, exactly. But I, actually, I think that's one of the things that being in the performing arts in particular 
uh, is actually really helpful for is being able to understand the way other people feel, even if you don't personally share it. And learn to sort of respect it. Yeah. Without, with, you know, without putting a lot of uh, judgments on any of it, because who knows, you might have to play that at some point. And if you're, I had a speech teacher in college tell me that he said, you know what? You don't have to accept anyone's opinion, but you have to respect it. I don't think all opinions necessarily have to be respected. <laughs> but when it when it comes to sort of soft social social issues and personal conduct issues that, you know, that don't directly affect other people. I the think. reason I like that quote, the reason it stuck with me for so long that I understand it is because I have the worst opinions, and I grow from them, but I have the worst opinions about things, especially if they're new to me. Like, I have I have very visceral uh, responses to things that irritate me. But without uh-huh. knowing all the other facts, I, I will automatically go, oh, we should just bomb them all. You know, it's... <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's an immediate reaction where, if I'm on weed... I will think out that thought so deeply, and it's not about me or my opinion. It's about what what are they thinking? Why would they want A instead of B, huh. and why can't we compromise on C? You know, and right. it's, so I we helps don't me get do out that of, when you're Mm-mm. huh. That's I, that's really interesting. I mean, I'm getting better at it. I'm getting better at just holding my emotions together because I felt I learned through becoming sort of tolerant to weed. Kind of control my emotions even more now. I feel like that helped me and I don't need to smoke anymore. I felt like I it, that's what it taught me was to get out of your head, look at logic with every situation issue that you're going through or in your mind and do the numbers. What does right. it come out to? Uh, and not know, just... And emotional. Yeah. And don't just sort of go with that initial gut reaction all the time. See, that's... That's what Twitter's for. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why it gets so many people in trouble. <laughs> um, uh, you haven't explained it to me that way before, and I, I, I think that's, uh, that's really valuable. It was. But again, I've been smoking for like 10 years now, and... Yeah. Well, I mean, with anything, like you do certain things at certain points in your life and hopefully it's because they help you. But then if you get to a point where it doesn't anymore, like there's no shame in saying, okay, this helped me then and it doesn't particularly now. And so I'm just going to change or, you know, not do the same thing just because just because I did in the past. That's 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 the thing I've been trying to learn recently is sort of not letting your mental conception of your own personality hold back what you think you can do. If I think that uh, I'm an introverted person or that I'm not good at business or whatever, you know that 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 may have been true or or may be true now. But if I but if I want to change it, you know I can I can work on that and and work on changing that in the future and not be sort of a prisoner of my existing conception of my own personality. Um, Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I so, agree. Con- so yeah, I, I mean, concur. <laughs> if, if smoking marijuana has helped you do that, then I, I think that's an, an unalloyed good thing. Like it, but you also shouldn't be afraid to uh, to change if you feel like you need to. I just want to thank you, Andrew, for coming in today and hanging out in the basement. Well, I want to thank you for bringing me in. I've never uh, been interviewed by the media before. It's a it's a new experience for me. Welcome. I don't know if I'm the media just yet. Oh, uh, you will be soon enough. <laughs> what is uh, <laughs> what is your what is what is a uh, what is the thing you would like to uh, put out into the world? On a on a selfish level, I would like to tell people to um, keep your eye out for the uh, winter slate of 
uh, modernist Shakespeare adaptations coming soon from uh, City Garage Theater at Cloverfield and Olympic, uh, Bergamot Station Arts Center. Um, I would love it if you would all believe in yourselves a little bit more and understand that uh, whoever you are, you're uh, an important part of of this crazy uh, experiment we call <laughs> human society. Uh, never think that uh, never think that nobody hears your voice or nobody cares uh, what you think, and speak up. The plight. Medical marijuana advocate Larry Harvey passed away on August twentieth, twenty fifteen. Larry was charged three years ago for growing 70 pot plants in an effort to ease his pain of gout, but the government argued that his operation did not comply with the state's medical marijuana law and he faced 10 years of imprisonment. Harvey was dismissed from the case in February after being diagnosed with terminal pancreatic cancer. This happened in Washington state where only six months ago marijuana was legalized. I can't wrap my brain around what's going on in other states with cases like these. In memory of Larry Harvey, this is the plate. I'd like to thank Andrew LaVisca for being a guest today. Thank you, the listeners, for tuning in to The Last Time I Smoked. Title music, The Losers, Gotta Keep Moving. Additional music, Kai Engel, Curtains Are Always Drawn, and Silence. All these songs and more can be found at freemusicarchive.org. This has been a production of rockbottomartist.com.